Welcome to Infinitely Rational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. How can split ends get you a promotion? How can you convince coworkers to play the quiet game? What do either of these things have to do with math? Let's find out. So we've talked about the man, the myth, the legend, and how he's been warped through the telephone game. So now we'll look at some of the people who've helped to propagate these stories, the cult. One of the few things we know for sure is that he led the cult, since we will not call it a brotherhood now. I'll do my best to, to stick with cult. <laughs> yeah, and the cult isn't a cult in the sense that we use it now. It really wasn't a religious cult at all. It was more of a behavioral cult. Mm -hmm. It provided the brothers, or I guess sisters, with a set of guidelines to better live their lives. And it helped them, supposedly, to focus on their studies and their intellect and mathematics. Although, Honestly, that does not sound bad at all to me. Right? Like, it's it's just a way, it's like a student code of conduct, for nice. lack of a better <laughs> nice. terminology. But really, in the beginning, they were focused more on numerology, which we can talk about later. But anyway, as with any good secret school, there's a test to get in. You know, Donald in Mathmagicland, they had the stars on their palm, and that's how they would gain entry to the meetings. That's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of the brothers or sisters of the cult had to have tattoos marking them, but huh. you know, I haven't read all the sources. That's so. interesting, because I don't think when I was a small child, I was like, Donald in Mathmagicland, Donald has a tattoo. I just oh, understood just like, that because it just appeared on his hand. It's a magical emblem. It is a magical emblem. <laughs> well, they did not have to have tattoos nor magical emblems, at least that I know of. Of course, that could have been part of the secretive bit. So how they get in? So to get in, Pythagoras essentially tested people. And the way he did this was he, he wanted to know about their parents, mm -hmm. about their parents' associations, mm -hmm. about their relatives. So it's like the American Kennel Club, like the lineage. Yeah, of the lineage was really important. And also, uh, more importantly, uh -huh. he checked to see if they were too loud or if they laughed too often. <laughs> so I guess none of us would get in. <laughs> Pro we probably would not be prime applicants, at least not me while I'm around you. So... <laughs> First of all, like that that sounds like a pretty interesting method of testing. I you know, when when someone goes to college, they have to take a placement test. I wonder mm -hmm. if there's a way that we could incorporate this in or maybe you know job interviews. Yes, except for the fact that Pythagoras was a little bit more in depth. Okay. It wasn't just, "Hey, come in for your 30-minute interview." Man, 30 minutes is kind of a lot though. Well, he he actually observed them for 3 years. No. I undo, control Z, everything full, I just said. Full on three years. <laughs> I don't know if the clock started ticking on each one individually or if they had them in groups. Yeah, how started. did he keep track of that? You know, I haven't read anything about that. And I doubt he did them all. Because, well, I mean, he can teleport, but Ooh. still likely. But he, he couldn't duplicate, he couldn't Xerox himself. And have carbon copies. I wouldn't think so. I would think it was probably a, an older brothers and sisters kind of a deal. Of they got it's got to be like you know when you're selling when you get into any of those direct sales, 
<laughs> and they get a group together and you go through the first weekend and th- that's that's your first group. And then the next weekend, the next one starts. That has to be how it is. Slightly pyramid scammy. Slightly. 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 Yeah, you, you watch three brothers and then those three brothers will watch another three brothers. <laughs> exactly. And sooner or later, the world is propagated with Pythagorean brothers. Yeah, I like that method. I like it. Also, I heard that he looked for their psychic abilities in their physical characteristics. Right. So not only is this guy (laughs) essentially watching you constantly for three years to make sure you're not laughing, that you're not really talkative, he's also looking to see essentially how you move, which is really disturbing to me because... I am clumsy. Same. I am so cl- Yeah, I could, if I, one day, I think I'm going to get hit by a car and only because I tripped in the middle of the road <laughs> or something. No, no fault. I'm going on the record now and saying it wasn't the driver's fault. <laughs> Most likely it was me. I'm just, I'm just that clumsy. I don't know where I am in time and space. You're in the middle of a road. It's not even on a sidewalk. It's, I'm walking for some reason in the median. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll find myself there somehow. <laughs> or I'll trip all the way into it. It'll be like a crazy slapstick comedy where I'll just tumble like four feet off the sidewalk. With the Benny Hill the music middle. playing under yeah, it. Yeah, I think uh, that seems like a pretty good death if I had to pick one. You know, it, it, that's not that bad. But, but, you know, maybe that would actually help me. Maybe it's not what we think. Maybe it's not about being super dexterous. Maybe it's the opposite. Kind of like Gulliver's Travels where they go to that island and you know they're all cerebral because they're walking off cliffs and things like that (laughs) because they're so concerned with their intellect. So it's more of an absent-minded professor thing. Mm. Then I'd be in for sure. No question. For sure. Also, you're introverted, and so he would never catch you talking. So true. Mm -hmm. So true. Mm -hmm. I'm prime applicant at this point. We'll send you to be an inductee, and then you can report back after five years. Not you? No, because I laugh too much. Well, he made sure they didn't laugh. Yeah, that they didn't laugh a lot. Right, which is why I would not get in, (laughs) because I laugh all the time. Yeah. In fact, I've been told I have a powerful laugh i would call it exuberant exuberant Mm -hmm. but so the other thing is that he apparently never laughed himself himself yeah i i did read that in a couple of sources that he absolutely did not laugh and what an intense guy i just can't imagine i'm gonna stare at you with my eyeballs for (laughs) what three years for three three years don't laugh don't laugh don't let me let me notch it up Uh uh-huh so not only does someone stare at you for three years and make sure that you don't laugh. Also, part of this induction required that you were silent for five years. We, there's no way I would ever make it through that. I'm pretty sure there's a Twilight Zone episode that just shows that you go crazy if you have to be silent for yes, five years. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that one. The guy that where he was kind of stuck in his little box <laughs> and he didn't know it. And he, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so that intense. exact episode. But, you know, I still think that we could take elements of that and make it into a good placement test. <laughs> um, you know, we could call it House Bill 2224. I think that's a positive idea. Now, here's <laughs> the thing that I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. Some sources say, mm-hmm. right, the laughter thing, that right. he was watching them for laughter 
and he was watching to make sure they weren't too talkative. But Mm -hmm. then we also have this bit about the five-year silence. Yeah. So did those run concurrently? How do you watch someone to make sure they're not too talkative when they're supposed to be silent? That's a good question. Are they mimes? That's a good question. It now makes me picture all of the Pythagorean <laughs> Brotherhood as mimes. And, with you the know, little berets and the striped shirt. Specifically with white paint on their faces. Yes. Yeah. And and they're just acting, they're mm-hmm. miming out laughter. And that's, that's a huge no-no. <laughs> anyway, so you can imagine after five to eight, because we don't know yeah. if they ran at the same time, five to eight years of this silence, no laughter, studying that they probably formed some pretty tight bonds. Sure. And the Brotherhood is really known for being extremely loyal. Do you think that they were loyal, like Hufflepuffs are loyal, or is it more of a Stockholm Syndrome type of a situation? Because it could go either way. (laughs) The weird thing about it is that the, the sources really don't say. The sources on the Pythagorean Brotherhood and Pythagoras usually... You can count on them for a good story. Mm -hmm. They have a beginning, a middle, an end, some rising action, a denouement, like the whole the (laughs) whole bit. But not here. They just say they were loyal. And I guess we're just supposed to believe it. I'm tending to think it's more along the lines of Stockholm Syndrome. (laughs) Because I heard that they had to give up all their belongings. Yes. So (laughs) But you know, in fairness, I I can see the benefit to that. I mean, I have a lot of stuff. I, I, I've been <laughs> meaning to declutter. Don't don't give all your things away and join a cult. <laughs> no, they. it's true that in the beginning, when there was just one faction, they did have to give up all of their worldly possessions. Mm-hmm. But there came a time when there came a second section, mm-hmm. and this sect got to keep their things. Do you think... It was because the first day of class, they always tell you you can kind of start off hard with your syllabus and then mm-hmm. ease up as the semester goes on. Do you think it was that? Or or do you think... <laughs> because you can't backtrack, be nice, right. and then get hard on your students. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm thinking maybe it's one of those situations where he was trying to get followers in the beginning. And so he started off with this radical idea of this brotherhood and slash cult. And he was like, give up all your things and and come and join me in silence. And most people... A couple people said, okay, friend, that sounds cool. I stand behind you. But the other ones were like, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not going to do that. I might be a little interested in what you're selling, but... I, I really like this chair, and I really like my books, and I really also like my, my Netflix. Also, my KitchenAid stand mixer. Right. And I, I'm not willing to give those things up. In fairness, we're trying to get followers, and we're really not asking anyone to give up stuff. So that's already a bonus point in our favor, I think. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> well, you know, I think this is a really good place for us to take a break. Let's go to commercial. We're smashing prices at the Distracted Belongings Liquidation Sale. There's some great deals! Our new recruits are giving away all their worldly possessions to better focus on their studies. Their enlightenment is your game! You gotta get in here! Everything must go now! Don't let these trivial things weigh down our new brothers. Help them and help yourself at the same time. Our shelves are packed, but the deals are going fast. All proceeds go to the Pythagorean Brotherhood. Join the Pythagorean Brotherhood. A group of men and women trying to find meaning in the universe through numbers. My son talked all the time, non-stop. 
you would not believe the irrational questions. But from day one of joining the Brotherhood, that noise stopped. Before I joined the Brotherhood, my life was going nowhere fast. I got in with the wrong flashy crowd, wearing nothing but flame-colored cloaks, even to the temple. I was out of control. If you want to do complex math to better understand the mysteries of the universe, contact us today. Membership is simple, with five short years of silence. You'll be assigned your own personal mentor to watch your every movement for dangerous behaviors, like sleep or laughter. Worried about the fame you'll get for discovering new concepts? Don't worry. Our selfless benefactor is happy to take on that burden for you. Bless you, Pythagorean Brotherhood, for giving me the quiet, respectful child I always wanted. I sure am grateful. I'm tired. I'm so tired. Message redacted. Come study for hours without stop, close to home, and at no cost. Call today for more information and begin your brighter, quieter future. So we're back now, and surprisingly, no one has offered to give away their stuff to follow (laughs) us. That's right. We've been manning the phones and message boards, and (laughs) we haven't had a single person call in. How strange. And we aren't even asking for all of that stuff that Pythagoras and his peeps wanted. (laughs) Speaking of which, (laughs) to tempt maybe some more uh, brothers and sisters to our cult, Uh. rather than the Pythagoreans, (laughs) let's, let's illustrate how reasonable we are in comparison to them, shall we? Yes, let's shall. So... While they're doing all their maps and they're being studious and very, very silent, uh-huh. they had a number of other things that they had to do in order to stay members in good standing. Such as cult. what? Well, for example, they had to refrain from cutting their nails or hair. Wait, all I'm imagining is the Guinness Book of World Records, like those people with the really <laughs> long fingernails and toenails. Yes. Yeah, well, and the reason why. That stuff is God's property. Don't touch it. (laughs) Also, right, it's probably also distracting to your studies if you're always busy grooming. I suppose that's true. (laughs) But so then we've got, what, Cousin It also with long fingernails? (laughs) Cult of Cousin It. (laughs) How does he fit in? How how does Cousin It with long fingernails wear trousers? (laughs) How does he get his his long toenails into his trousers? That is a question I have. Sources are are unclear. (laughs) However, we do have busts of him, and he does indeed have long hair. And long fingernails? (laughs) No, usually the busts don't include the hands. Uh, Busts are by their nature, (laughs) usually of the face. (laughs) We do, we can assume that he probably cut his nails, I think. Or else, I guess, maybe he was out in nature. Oh, yeah, so they could have broken, Mm because he was always out there stroking those eagles. So you can imagine a few probably broke along the way. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't sitting there with his mane and tail or whatever it is you do to maintain strong fingernails. That's intense. This is true. Also, you know, they... (laughs) He probably broke a few doing the next little bit that we know the brothers were famous for, which is... Yeah, in addition to being out in nature with his pets, another thing was that whenever they heard a thunderclap, and it's funny because it looks like it's it's getting ready to start storming here, and we've heard some thunderclaps, but again, we have not done this. Anytime they heard a thunderclap, they were supposed to stop, drop, and touch the dirt. Not roll, but just touch the dirt. (laughs) Right. No rolling involved. No. Just touching the dirt. And that's correct. That is in reverence 
of the creation of the universe, and I guess Zeus. <laughs> well, he did have lightning bolts. This is true. This is true. So, You're trying to avoid, like, as he's throwing them down at <laughs> oh, the ground. Oh, so maybe it's practical knowledge. Perhaps. Perhaps. You know, that's not the only bit of practical knowledge that the brothers had. Mm-hmm. Shall I elaborate? Please do. Okay. So one of the things that has been handed down is that the Pythagoreans said, no roasting of boiled food. And specifically, what they say about it is the mellow of I guess the 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 boiled food the roasting or the boiling the, the boiling okay mellowness is boiling the mellowness uh-huh need not the anger okay if you think of boiling <laughs> yeah, let water it sink though, in for it, a like, second <laughs> percolates so you and I talked about this particular little tidbit mm-hmm. this cooking this cooking advice. and I burn water so <laughs> I went and asked other people in my life mm-hmm. that cooked my husband is an amazing cook and I asked him I also asked a nutritionist mm-hmm. because wow you went all out I was trying <laughs> I'm trying to learn from you and how to do oh research properly. you're doing field research I am I am <laughs> So when I spoke to my nutritionist, Mm -hmm. she couldn't think of anything off the top of her head. So immediately I was excited because I was going to come back and say, nothing. This doesn't (laughs) even make sense because why would you boil food and then roast it? Sure. Or roast it and then boil it. Whatever. I don't know. They both seem to be destructive. So (laughs) then I went to talk to my husband and he said, ribs, this is a really good way to soften up tough meat and get it off the bones. So maybe he was having a backyard barbecue. Maybe so. The other the other <laughs> interpretation, not that I, I think your field research is at all off point. <laughs> I agree with all of those As things. As he's slaughtering oxen for his backyard barbecue. Correct. It could very well be that. The other thing that it could be is that it's it's one of these allusions to something else. So, for mm-hmm. example, um, mellowness, need not the anger, could be like, let sleeping dogs lie. Don't or, kill a flea in the temple. Right. Or, or, you know, hey, if something is taken care of, you know, it's been cooked already, mm-hmm. it's been boiled, the issue's been handled, you don't need to get into the fuss about it. The issue's being handled. Right. <laughs> let it go. Let it go. Don't continue to be angry about it and go back to your studies and be silent about it. <laughs> That that's the one I like to I like to gravitate towards for that bit. But anyway, so so I guess was he kind of a motivational speaker? Yeah, I think if you look at it that way, you can see how he he's kind of giving some some pearls of wisdom for how don't the brothers don't kill a flea, don't kill a flea, don't brush burn it in the gods, just brush it off. You know, let let sleeping dogs mm-hmm. lie. Also, to go along with this, he was a big proponent of. Oaths. And by oaths, I mean promises, uh-huh. goals. He he wanted essentially his followers, Pythagoras, uh-huh. wanted his followers to think ahead. Because while the future seems really far off to man, mm-hmm. it is ever present in the eyes of the gods. So total goal setting. Oh, yeah. You know, the college student success classes where you teach people to use that S-M-A-R-T, the smart goals. Mm-hmm. Pythagoras came up with it. Well, we don't know if he came up with it or is one of his brothers. Because remember, we're not really sure what he did. True. But it's likely at least one of the brothers of the Pythagorean Brotherhood slash cult. Came up with smart goals. 
Correct. <laughs> so <laughs> some of that practical knowledge there for you. Make goals. <laughs> also, so another bit of practical knowledge, don't travel on public roads. Pause. He could teleport. True. Worst. True. So he... Guys, <laughs> so you s- guys don't travel on public roads. <laughs> the the very nice paved go the hard, roads. Go the hard mm-hmm. way, but I'll teleport I'll teleport. There. I'll meet you there. Why are you late also? So do you think he, he secretly was a funny guy and that this was a big joke to him? And he was laughing in secret? He, he would tell them something and then he would go into his room... And just chuckle about it. Right, like, oh man, they totally believed that one too. (laughs) Just like the boiled food thing. How far can I get? Right, like, what's the most ridiculous thing that I can say to these people and have them believe? Did you just hear that thunderclap? We need to touch the dirt. We do need to touch the dirt. (laughs) Okay, now that we're back from touching the dirt. (laughs) Before we leave, actually, the public roads, this is another one of those that it could have meant something else. And what it could have meant was take the road less traveled. Mm -hmm. So kind of some Robert Frost there before his time. I could agree with that. Also, I'm hearing more thunder. I now have another question. Sure. Do you hear one thunderclap and you touch the dirt for all subsequent ones within a time period? Or do you have to touch it every single time? Because if they're walking (laughs) on the road less traveled, they're taking the back Mm -hmm. roads, they're like climbing over rocks yes tripping on things with their long toenails Mm -hmm. and they hear the thunder and they have to drop every single time i think that's some light calisthenics there (laughs) i I think maybe that's part of their exercise regimen push-ups from the ground right whenever there's a storm you know you're gonna work up a sweat as if it rains on you so it's not that hot right because i went running this morning in the 91 percent humidity I think a rain would have been slightly welcome. There you go, then. I'm surprised there's not some bit of wisdom there, where, like, worshipping the creation of the universe pays dividends in water. I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> there's not something in there. Back to the, the roads, though. They also had a rule or a guideline that they had to put the right shoe on first. Correct. Clearly more practical knowledge. Before you get out there on that... road less traveled make sure you put your shoes on in the right order i wonder if he meant the right shoe as in left and right or the right shoe as in wrong and right well sources are clear he actually meant the right one the right shoe the correct shoe or the right the (laughs) (laughs) not the left but the right well i feel like we're playing the pyramid game now What's the password? Get to the right one. Get to the correct one. Not the left, but the... (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) It's interesting that you say that because in many languages, the word left is... They've got interesting words for it. For example, I'm learning Italian right now. I'm Uh doing just an amazing job at learning Italian, let me tell you. (laughs) I'm surprised we're not doing this in Italian. We should next time. (laughs) But... Left in Italian is sinistra, and the Pythagoreans thought that anything left was evil. And I'm interested in kind of some of the etymology of some of these languages and how they've gone because sinistra, like I like heard sinister. That. Yeah, the first so- <laughs> time I heard that, I was I what a cool word. That's that you bring up a really good point because a lot of the work 
about the Pythagoreans mm-hmm. say that they were into numerology. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Left equaled even numbers, mm-hmm. which in numerology, or at least their numerology, meant evil. I love even numbers, though you can split them evenly. They are evil. Ugh. And you need to, if you love them, that's, that's I need to be concerned about Another you. reason I, I would concerned. never get in. Also, apparently rational numbers are bad. <laughs> right. They they have a lot of... They cause drowning. There are a lot of number <laughs> issues with the Pythagoreans, but essentially they... If you're not familiar with numerology, it just means that everything out there in the universe can be represented by a number. And we're talking men, women, even marriage. So ma- the number for marriage is a combination of the number for man plus the number for woman, Neat. which would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and in addition to that... Also, there were even numbers for justice, so kind of intangible, abstract ideas. Is one still the loneliest number? (laughs) (laughs) You know, none of the Pythagorean sources have said. (laughs) You're talking about these numerology and that that's what they studied. And do you think that's why he watched them all for their psychic abilities? Maybe... How they, how they counted or how they put their shoes on? Yes. <laughs> or if they were left-handed. My husband is left-handed and he's constantly bemoaning the fact that there aren't left-handed, I don't know, scissors and things like that. Sure. It's not an affliction that I have been struck with. Nor me. So I can't weigh in. But he... he um, he says it's a thing. So so your husband would never get in is no, what you're see, saying. See, both of us, we would never... So I think we're all out at this point. Because we all laugh, and also your husband is left-handed. That's definitely an evil thing. That's I, on I the bad imagine list for us. your marriage with him can't bode well either, mm. being that he is evil. That's true. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not the only thing they thought was evil either. What's that? So in addition to the left and even numbers being evil, and this is this is a hard one to swallow, but they really frowned upon sleep because what? yeah, because sleep took away from studies. It's laziness. Excessive sleep meant hey, you are lazy. You're not devoting yourself a hundred percent to your studies, and awake is the ideal state. Here is another reason I would never get in because literally every Sunday mm-hmm. I sit on my couch. And my dog is there, and the sun in the afternoon will shine. What a beautiful on. picture. It is. It is. And it's warm, and it's the perfect, perfect time, perfect setting for a nap. And so if I were in Pythagoras's time, and I was sitting on my same couch with my same dog in my same window. Because you sun, would, surely. Exactly. Those things would exist. They would exist. Mm-hmm. But so... I would fail. You would never make it through your first three. Forget your five years. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't get your five-year award. You wouldn't even get your three-year award. I wouldn't even get a one-year award. No, definitely not. Mm -mm. And what's worse is, right, we know what his feelings on beans are. So What are his feelings on coffee? Yeah, Yeah, coffee beans. I guess they would be out because otherwise you'd be considered soul-powered. That's true. Because otherwise we're drinking men's souls. Definitely going to be a no-no. So after you have your <laughs> your morning without coffee, after my not gosh. sleeping, it's time to go to the temple, All right? Of, oh my God. And, and then I heard that you had to wear white 
in temples, which bothers me because of everything that we've said so far. You got to take the road less traveled, <laughs> which you is gotta, dirty, <laughs> which is filthy. And so this is why I have I don't think I have any white clothes climbing through the brush. Correct. Because <laughs> how the heck do you sit there and and keep that clean when you go to the temple? You're supposed to look nice. Well, and get this. <laughs> Apparently, some sources make the argument that it wasn't just in temples, that the translation is something more akin to religious festivities. And mm-hmm. some of that was interpreted as being all the time. Life was a religious festival. I did read. You know, I said in the last episode that I tell my students a story all the time about mm-hmm. the drowning. Mm-hmm. And part of the thing that I say is, right, they always were white. They couldn't eat beans. <laughs> so you so you might not be lying to them. Mm-hmm. But With you might be. But you might be, depending on the source. <laughs> Partial lie. <laughs> you know, that that wasn't the only instance of their wardrobe. That's true. I did hear that they couldn't wear black or flame-colored cloaks because those are also lazy. Right. They're luxurious. And so, sorry, emo kids. Sorry, Harry Potter fanatics. You entitled jerks. (laughs) You cannot be part of the Pythagorean Brotherhood because you're cloaks. Thank goodness I have no flame-colored cloaks. Listeners, she's lying. I'm looking at a room full of flame-colored clothes. <laughs> right? In fact, her her dry clean just got dropped off, and it's totally a bunch of black and flame-colored. No, clothes. no, 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 no. That's that's prime wardrobe, and the only reason is because I need to figure out my size for my Slytherin house robe. Sure, sure. Okay, then. <laughs> well, so now we've gone over everything from the Pythagoreans' diet. To their dress, to their to their sleeping habits, even their traveling patterns. Correct. We've looked at just about every facet of their <laughs> lives, and really, what we know for sure is that they were a part of a cult. They there's no denying whatsoever that they were responsible for a lot of the mathematical advances that Pythagoras gets uh, that get attributed essentially to Pythagoras later on. The things we learn in school, right? Those were actually done by all of his cult mm-hmm. members. So it's we can assume that this <laughs> these roles and these this way of living their life really helped them to become highly intelligent and dedicated students and deep thinkers. And so, what's the truth about Pythagoras himself? Well, he was a guy who believed in reincarnation. He had followers who had particular diets and strict customs. For whatever reason, maybe he's chuckling in the background. (laughs) How far can I take this? (laughs) And a lot of people made up a lot of things about him. But, sadly, he was probably not the person who came up with the famous theorem that bears his name. So that concludes our Pythagoras trilogy. Join us next time, where we will explore the life and story of another mathematician. Stay tuned! Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research, and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com. This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and Kay. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time!